What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your boy, Jimmy J, joined by my guys, Jake Galley, Kyle Sirik, Stab Matt Robinson. It's Super Bowl, or almost Super Bowl week, but end of the NFC and AFC championship games. And y'all know I'm stoked and excited about it. We'll get to it a little bit later, but how we all doing, man? How, how, we, how we feeling after those championship games? I... I don't really know how exactly like I like I said last week like I kind of like part of me wants to feel good like for you about this and then there's other parts of me where like you're just like sending into the group text oh you guys really thought the Bucks were gonna all I'll say is this I would like to see but you did it who none of y'all rooted with me none of y'all none of y'all picked my squad I didn't think I did hey look Look, they came out and they impressed Rodgers, wasn't able to get it done, um, which we'll talk about. But I guess kudos to you. You did say when they got all these weapons, oh, we're Super Bowl bound, which I feel like really maybe any fan would say. But congratulations either way, I guess. Thank you. That's all I was looking for, man. Like, that was so hard for you to get to that congratulations. For you to get to it that didn't feel good coming. I'm not, I mean, whatever. Mainly, I feel like a moron for betting against the Chiefs. Because I watched, like, the first... Even when they went up 9 nothing, and then I saw the Chiefs score, I was like, oh, it's over. They just have way more <laughs> offensive talent. And I talked myself into the Bills because it was fun, and I got two... I, I just didn't... If I looked at the rosters and just looked at... I would have picked the Chiefs. I am happy for you, James, but I got a plethora of hater, Brady hater stats that I'm ready to pump at. That's <laughs> fine. Whatever. Like, like you know, this is like... I'm Teflon right now. You could throw all the, all the Brady hater stats at me. Their day's going to deflect right off of me, but let's let's get into it because we're already starting to, to just talk about it. Just the results of championship weekend. We talked about the Bucks beating the Packers 31 to 26 and the Chiefs beating the Bills 38 to 24. We'll start with the with the Bills one so we can just transition right into my victory lap. But um <laughs> the, the Chiefs beating the Bills. It, like Matt, you talked about it, how it for a minute there, it looked like the Bills were gonna pull one out up nine-nothing. And then here comes KC, 21 unanswered, just an onslaught. But just initial reactions to watching that game, what were you thinking? Did the Bills ever really have a chance? Kyle, you're shaking your head over there like you knew eventually it was happening. It's just like, especially after last year's uh, Texans game and then this game, it's like you never count the Chiefs out. It's like this team, like even in the back of your head, it's like, oh, the Chiefs might lose. No. I mean, everything went bad, right? They gave up three and then McCole Hardman drops a Punt, uh, punt yeah. return and that goes into a touchdown and then Mahomes comes back and the game wasn't even close when it got to like the fourth quarter so I mean it, and McDermott it, played like a little bitch so. yeah yeah so oh La- talk about it then talk, so did talk about it then yeah LaFleur made one really horrible decision at the end that was dumb but every single time McDermott took the wussy way out just Fourth and three, oh, I'm going to kick the 50-yard field goal. Fourth and two, oh, I'm going to kick the field goal. You can't kick field goals on the road against the Chiefs. Fourth and goal from the two. You don't, And you're down 21-9. to nine. You don't go for the freaking touchdown at the end of the half. That's It's just, it's weak, 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 weak. But, like, and, and you got to know that. And they have the offense to do that. It's not like the Bills are, are, like, are built on their defense where, like, I can afford to get three and I expect my defense to stop it. You're an offensively built team. Like, why would why? you not keep pace? That's what why I'm do teams say. like like you're so right like why do they trick themselves into yeah, thinking like, like we're gonna like... play the possession game with Kansas City they're going to score in five of six drives <laughs> and you have to match them or you're going to lose like and and the thing that Kansas City does give you like the benefit to have is time of possession and opportunity to score because they will score quickly like they will hit home run plays they're not worried about possessing the ball a bunch of times like you're gonna get the ball back you're gonna have opportunities to score 
Like, don't settle for three. Push that. Like, push it's that a cruel shit. irony that the Bills got eliminated from Super Bowl contention by making field goals. No, oh, that is <laughs> that that is really cruel. Fifth I mean, wall of Buffalo. I mean, it, it was. I was looking at you know individual players too, like Stephon Diggs, where he didn't have a Stephon Diggs esque game from this season. But I think in, in the normal like you know in the normal grand scheme of things, he didn't play bad, right? I don't think Josh Allen played bad. It's just they, no. they didn't keep pace. They didn't keep up. It's a track I, meet. You got to go in. I think it was like what I said last week. I remember last week I said that I thought the Chiefs defense had an edge here, and you guys were like, well, what are you talking about? I was like. Well, the one defense had to face Patrick Mahomes, and the other one came in with a game plan. I mean, the pass defense of the Chiefs last week was really, really good. It actually worries me a little bit going forward for Tom Brady, but they got to Josh Allen, sacked him four times. They didn't let Stephon Diggs have a big day. I think he had, what, 77 yards? And they they were making plays. Like, they were legitimately making plays, and it was a big a big plus for them to where you can make plays on defense, and now you have Patrick Mahomes coming in that can just score you a touchdown whenever you want. And it really turned our stats like on their head last week. We're talking about how, oh, look how good the Bills are in, in red zone efficiency. The best red zone team in the NFL. Oh, the Chiefs, the worst red zone defense in the NFL. And what happens? Yep. The first three opportunities the Bills have to finish drives are selling for field goals. And the Chiefs are, are bending but not breaking. And Matt, you talked about it like the Chiefs will trade three for seven all the live, live long day. Because you put Andy Reid in that situation, he's not kicking a field goal. Harrison Bucker's not coming out. Like Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't even matter if freaking Chad Henney's in the game will go for it. They'll go for it. Like that's that's what it is. But you know what? Like, you know what's so hard and what's gonna what's gonna scare me about facing Kansas City is like how creative this offense is. And isn't it funny that Andy Reid lost his job in Philadelphia to Chip Kelly, who was supposed to like revolutionize an offense and bring in a brand new offense no one had ever seen? And then Andy Reid goes to KC and a couple years later revolutionizes an offense and brings an offense no one has ever seen. Like I feel like once a game. They're pulling out a play out of the playbook that no one's ever seen before. I don't I don't want to besmirch Andy Reid because he's clearly Hall of Fame coach, but it's clear. Andy Reid with the Eagles, Andy Reid with the Chiefs, pre-Mahomes, basically the same success. Mm-hmm. And then he gets Mahomes and boom, they're unstoppable. He unlocks, Mah- he lo- Mah- unlocks Mahomes everything. is what's creating this explosion of innovation because you can do so many things when you have a quarterback that, that that's that good. So, so it's it's Mahomes that unlocked that. It's not Andy Reid that Andy Reid unlocked Andy Reed's always been a very good offensive coach because just go, starting from the two thousands, having the top offense in the two thousands to the top, top to a top offense at the end of the two thousands to the twenty tens with everything that's changed, making a really good offense with Alex Smith and like a washed up like Dwayne Bow. Like it's not. It's like he's a really good coach. And then when you put. I think the future goat and Pat Mahomes on the team, like then it's when you when you have a A minus offensive coach with an A plus 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 quarterback, <laughs> this happens. Yeah, for real. And it's not just the quarterback. Yeah. Like then, yeah. if you're the defense, you have to pick your poison. Who are who do you want to shade your defense towards? Is it Tyreek Hill over the top? Is it Kelsey coming across the middle? I mean, like these guys in a vacuum are some of the best at their position. And then when you put them together, it makes them even harder to stop. And then when you put them with Patrick Mahomes is when you get into the unfair territory, which is where we're at now, which is where if I was a Bucks fan, I like my defense. I'd be a little worried. But I mean, look, look, I don't want to turn this to the Buccaneers just yet, but they said that against the Saints. They said that against the Packers. Like they, they said that too. Multiple turnovers, both games. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. But a lot of people are, are calling... 
like this Chiefs team synonymous with the Warriors team that we've been watching for the past four or five years where it's just a dynasty and it's almost expected they're going to win. You're more surprised if they don't go to a Super Bowl or don't win a championship than you are if anything else happening in the league. Is that true? Like, are we at that point? Because like, I never want to get to that point in any sport. Like, I'll, I'll, people thought that was fun. Like, I guess it's fun to watch the Chiefs, but like, I mean, if you just got a monopoly on the league, is that fun to watch? Well, I think hey. it's it's different than the NBA because in the NBA, it's it's so much easier to get to that point, it feels like. And then, I mean, you have this team in the NFL, but it's really impressive to have all of these guys get there year after year. I mean, look at repeat champions in the NBA, repeat champions in the NFL. So many more in the NBA, even getting to the finals. It doesn't happen in the NFL. And sure, they have Tyreek, Kelsey, Mahomes, and Reed. That's their four. And then you have whatever, Clay, Draymond, Steph, you added kd eventually that's there for but i mean it's so much harder in the nfl and i don't think they do have a monopoly there hasn't had there hasn't been a repeat champion in the nfl since the 0304 pats like it's been a while um and the thing with the warriors is that they were literally like in a seven game series it was impossible to beat them there was no way it was possible to beat them especially the first year with kd it was just stupid. With the Chiefs, remember, they're three and a half point favorites. Like, this isn't like a, an 11-point favorite. Like, like the Patriots were 11-point favorites over the Giants in 07. Like, this, this is – I, I – it's not a foregone conclusion that the Chiefs are going to win. You can't always base it off of the Vegas odds, though, Matt. You know, the, those Seahawks that destroyed Denver were getting two and a half points in that game. Um, so, Vegas does get it wrong sometimes, and – I. And we still have to talk about the Buccaneers, so I don't want to go totally into this. But when you look at Mahomes versus the Bucs defense versus Brady versus the Chiefs defense, I think it leaves you with a clear answer. I don't know what you guys think. What's that I mean, answer? What's If so it's so cool. clear, tell me what that answer is, Jake. What's what's that answer? That's a clear edge to Kansas City, to Mahomes in that matchup. I'll put it this way. I don't like minus three and a half, but I like money line. Yeah, I think... I think a big part in those matches we just talked about, though, is we saw at the end of that game last week, Eric Fisher, the left tackle, get hurt. And it looked like he's not going to play in the Super Bowl. And we saw what that O-line or that D-line did to a banged up backup left tackle of the Packers last week. I mean, on both sides of the ball, Jake, on both sides of the ball. You're just uh, both sides of the ball. You're wrong because um, I don't think uh, he's wrong. I'm he's just wrong. saying. You no, no, out. he's wrong. I'm, <laughs> you got to look out for that. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you why he's wrong because we just outscored two better defenses all season than the Chiefs, both both of them, and just minimized two back to back defenses that were way better than the Chiefs all season. So that's yeah, that's but, why I'm not worried about yeah, that. Yeah, but Kevin and, King and, isn't on the Chiefs. Huh? <laughs> Kevin King is not on the Chiefs. If it wasn't Kevin King, it'd be somebody else. Scotty taking the top off of somebody else. All right, well, let's let's talk about that then. Because one, when we talk about how the Bucks beat the Packers, that to me, that Scotty Miller fourth down at the end of the at the end of the first half, that was the biggest play of the game by far. And it's the biggest play, and it put us up 18. Like, and I knew we needed that breathing room. Like I, I said it, I said it to myself. I'm like, I'm not cool with 11. They get the ball to come out in the second half. I'm not cool with an 11 point lead. Like I need some, I need something big to happen here. The, the entire game was swung in those last 30 seconds and then plus minute and a half of the third quarter mm. where Rodgers throws the pick and they miss the pass interference on the, on the, on the call. Then the Packers defense completely chokes on the, on the last play before the half, essentially that puts the bucks up 21 to 10. And then Aaron Jones fumbles immediately on the first Packers possession of the second half, 
and the Packers. Because it was cold. And, and when you're... Cold. <laughs> Wasn't even that cold. It didn't end up being that cold. It was, it was just as cold as it was like here in PA. Degrees. It was the same yeah, it was like temperature as it was here in PA. Eric Jones is just butterfingers. And and when you have team, when you're playing the Bucks, you can't spot him 14 points like that. You just mm-hmm. you, and that's why the game. And it didn't matter that they got three turnovers in the second half on interceptions. Uh, it just, even if like Lafleur went for it on that fourth and goal from the eight, like they still and they got they still would have had to get it, which I'm not that confident in based on the previous going. three plays. Um, and they would have had to get the two-point conversion and then win in the overtime. So, like, it was not like... It's not like the LaFleur decision was like, oh, they would have won if he did. It's like, well, if he did, they might have won, but still, right, I don't but, know. But don't, it's so unjustifiable when even kicking the field goal, you're still down a touchdown score. Like, I, it, was, it didn't really move the needle all that much. It just gave us the ball back. I just, I just liked the call, but I didn't hate it because I thought... No, it was a gimme. When, 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 man, when I saw Mason Crosby chalking out on the field, I was like, oh my God, they gave us the game. Oh my God. Man, I, I, I I, I, I'm being a little biased here because I said on the show last week that the Packers are going to win by one. So I thought, oh, this puts the Packers to five. Then <laughs> if they get the ball back touchdown, I get it right on the money. Yeah, so we're, I'm we're getting a little biased um, But yeah, you're right, though, James. Going back to it's the end of the second quarter, third quarter. That's th- Those were the biggest plays of the game. Yeah, I, I, I remember telling my roommate, uh, he's like, why are you going for this? I was like, you have to go for this. And I was just talking about getting three. Yeah. And then they pull out a 50-yard up and around route to Scotty Miller, which was beautiful. And that really was the game. But back to it, Matt, you have to go for it there. And I was really mad about, and not the Bucks. I'm talking about the end of the game, the LaForce situation. I was really unhappy with the play calling there because your first and goal from the eight or whatever it was, and you decide to throw the ball four times or three times. And if you're mm-hmm. going to throw the ball three times, that means you want Aaron Rodgers to win you this game. So why don't you go for it on fourth? And why don't you run the ball on first Point. down? And now it justifies going for it on fourth and goal at the four with the three. Just the play calling didn't make sense to me there if you're going to kick it. But, but in think, that same vein, I, hold on, hold on. In that same vein, Kyle, like the play calling wasn't bad, but you're right. They put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, not only in that situation, earlier when they had three chances at, the, at, at a first and goal or, or a goal-to-go situation, Threw it three times to Devontae Adams and three incomplete passes. They put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands multiple times, and yeah. maybe Matt LaFleur remembered the previous goal-to-go Adams situation where they didn't get it. He should have had, that first, he yeah, so. had that first one. He should have had that first one. That was lucky. I think, but. I think the only, I think the entire fourth quarter after the Brady picks, especially uh, once they got into twenty-eight to twenty-three, they Rodgers got the ball three times, and they kept running these long. Play, plays that took a long time to develop, long passes down the field when their O-line was getting beat every single play. And the Bucks D-line just took advantage of that, and Rodgers had no time to make any plays. Yeah. And the only time they broke past that was when it was 31-23 on that final drive. They blew so many possessions in the fourth quarter because of bad play calling, in my opinion, by LaFleur. It's, okay. It was a... okay, okay, okay. But like, can we give can we give my squad some credit? Like, damn, no, 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 you, the narrative. You, you absolutely the Bucks defense. There's nothing to besmirch the Bucks. Thank the you. Bucks Thank took you. advantage of every single mistake that the Packers made. Thank you. Yeah. And, and and I told you we were going to get some turnovers. Of every mistake the Bucks made. Mm-hmm. And and I knew we were going to get some turnovers. The only part of the game plan that surprised me is that Brady threw the ball way more times than I thought he was going to, especially in the first half, especially when we got a lead. I mean, Leonard Fournette has the great touchdown run. That that drive was kind of Leonard Fournette carried. Well, Brady threw the ball a lot. 
And I thought when we got a cushion, we were going to lean on the run game a little more. But I just don't think Brady himself never wanted to get out of rhythm. Like, he knew at some point this game is going to get close again. I'm going to have to continue to throw. Yeah, he got out of rhythm. <laughs> yeah, he, did, he did get out of rhythm. Out of rhythm, rhythm that second half. Um, he was, he was but that's the only part of the game plan. Very that, that really was in that second half. <laughs> But that's the only part of the game plan that surprised me because the defense, I hit it on the nose. We needed to create turnovers, make Rodgers uncomfortable, and we did exactly that. Right, and he's not going to get away with the three interceptions next game. No. Um, but just just to cap off that LaFleur point, like the benefit of having Aaron Rodgers is it, I mean, among other things, is situations like that, right? Like fourth and nine or whatever it was or how, however long eight, they had to go eight, yeah, not like an e- yeah not not an easy play to convert and the odds may even say the straight odds may tell you to kick a field goal there you're, you're better off kicking a field goal but with the knowledge that you have one of the greatest of all time at the quarterback position the mvp the mvp, the MVP <laughs> you should i think you let him go out on his shield there and try and get try and get a touchdown if you get it then you, you put yourself in a better position to win so uh According it's gonna be to- tough According to win probability, going for it would have given him a 13% chance to win. Kicking it gave him a 9%. That's a 4% differential, which is which is big when it comes to win probability. And is that is that not Aaron Rodgers' situation? Fourth that's quarter comebacks, game-winning like, drives? That's a legacy like, is that game, not man. his legacy? Is that not why he's one of the greatest of all time? He's the no. most unlucky playoff quarterback I've ever seen. But but yes. instead, But instead, you give it back to the actual greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> and, he, and he takes air out of the ball and wins the game. All right, we got about like two minutes left before we got to move on. He didn't completion. The guy, some it, Kevin King was a moron and grabbed the jersey. Hey, 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 hey. They ran the ball twice and, and the Packers secondary collapsed. <laughs> but the first catch that Tyler Johnson had to keep that drive alive before the pass interference was huge. That, that oh, yeah, third the, down. The first got to cut to second and one and then the Yeah, yeah, that was, that was huge. It was, a, it was like, yeah, third, third and one and third and two or something. But real quick. We'll go around initial Super Bowl thoughts. Give me like a, a sense or two what you're initially thinking about the Super Bowl. Jake, go first. Uh, it's unfortunate you mentioned Scotty Miller uh, with the big play. He's not going to be available for the Super Bowl after he pops positive on his drug test for saying he's faster <laughs> than Tyreek Hill. Yeah, it's a I'm shame gonna that, that you guys are going to lose him for that. <laughs> I'm going to get. I'm What's he get thinking? That? Saying he might that. add the buzzer. I don't know. But people got to stop. Stop. That's playing. insanity. I, like they track those things. This is the this is the little kid on the yard who who is is talking a little too much. Like don't like come on man. Like let's just go you to just work. Just be confident. Yeah, like like why are you just, so loud? Why you got to be so loud? Like can we just go to work? Kyle, initial Super Bowl thoughts. Yeah, as as much as the Buccaneers shut down one of the NFL's top offenses to an extent, as much as they needed to, the Chiefs did the same exact thing. And with the defense we thought wasn't as good and probably a little more prolific offense in terms of Josh Allen and how they were playing recently. So um, I think it's this game, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets one on the defensive side of the ball, even given how you know profound both of these offenses are. Matt, and this is what I thought. I am never going to have money against Pat Mahomes for the rest of my life. I mean, That's look, it's, this, these are the two quarterbacks that people tell you never to bet against. You never get, bet against Brady. Never bet against Mahomes. Well, now oh, yeah, you got to yeah. bet against one of them. Actually, bet, I do want to say one thing. I do <laughs> want to say one more thing. Go ahead. Brady versus Mahomes is probably the best matchup we could have got. Like, this is some narrative. Like, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. It's, there's, uh, a 30 for 30. there's a 30 I, I, for 30 I, I, on this moment. This moment is, this, is what they're going to make the 30 for 30 on. Goat versus this, baby goat or something like that. Their career is Rodgers Mahomes is a better matchup. Rodgers is the most like arm talented quarterback I've seen, and Mahomes is 
the first I've seen that has a similar arm talent plus mobility as Rodgers. Obviously, yep. Brady's higher than Rodgers in the GOAT argument. But at this point, it's the MVP versus the best quarterback in football. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, all I say is what normally happens in these scenarios, we see the big guy, the GOAT, pass the torch. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't know. It's not his last year. We got one more after this. The torch don't need to get passed. My initial thought. For the last five years, Brady said he's going to play till he's 45. And everyone else was like, when's Brady going to retire? I think it's going to be when he's 45, right. like you he's said, for now. a long time. So you got him for more. two more years, I think, actually. My my initial thought is, I think the two biggest players on the field uh, next Sunday is going to be Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, at least for the Bucks, Because the, the name of the game is going to have to be making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, just like you made Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. Cannot let these plays develop down the field. But Travis Kelsey's going to have a big day, you know, underneath. But I'd, I'd take my chances with... You know, Travis Kelsey having a big day underneath and, you know, having Tyreek Hill have 200 yards in the first quarter like he did last matchup. So, got to make Pat Mahomes uncomfortable. But my defense has been playing well all playoffs. They're going to have to play well again. You know, um, like this, James. Teams that lose by one score in the... Okay, when teams play rematch in the Super Bowl, if they lost by one score in the regular season, they're 7-2 and two in the rematch. So that's the Bucks would be in the seven or two. We did, we did. We should have lost by way more than what we lost by. But I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going back down that road. We're transitioning now to the NBA because now we're talking about my team. Now we get to talk about y'all. Look, Jake sat up in his chair like he, <laughs> like he was ready for this one because yo, we talked a lot about last season, especially on this show. All y'all got the Sixers gear on. My fault. My fault. <laughs> Big um, game tonight, Jake. I know. I know. And, and against the Lakers, that's why you trying to wrap us up because that game was tipped off. <laughs> <laughs> I think just tipped off. But it may I mean, enter we, the we second gotta, screen. We gotta we gotta talk about the Sixers because Joel Embiid might be the MVP front runner right now. We we named we tried to do a little play on this. We got MV MVP'd. But like say that out loud. No. Mm -mm. No, it MVP'd. can't be that. MVP uh, is right. MVP is MV right. MVP. I, I don't like MVP either. That MV don't something, something about it don't sound anyway. Anyway, that man is at top of the MVP voting right now. 27 points, 11 rebounds, one block on 55%. Shooting from the field, 41% from three, which is big. That's sixth in the league in scoring, seventh in rebounds, fifth in three-point percentage among centers with at least two and a half attempts per game. Um, so, I mean, right now, a lot of people are pegging Joel Embiid as the MVP frontrunner. Would they be right in saying that? Like, is, is Joel on his way to his first MVP right now? I think at this point in the season, he is. I mean, you're looking at the number one team in the East. You're looking at clearly who is the guy and the MVP, most valuable player. So who is the most valuable player on the on the Sixers in the league? It's Joel Embiid. I mean, they're 12 and two with him and they're 0 and four without him. And the this losses are bad without him. The yeah, and, bad. and this is a team that is still first place in the East, but clearly need Joel Embiid on the floor. 67.4% true shooting is unreal for mm. a center. And he's getting to the free throw line at the highest rate of his career when he's all, already been a great person at getting to the free throw line. His free throw rate this year is 67.6%, which is higher than his previous career of 56.9%. So that'll probably level off some, but he's so good at getting those cheap little fouls. And the defense gets enraged whenever he gets those calls, which yeah. then just makes him foul more because they're mad and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost and he's so good at getting in other teams heads 
and there's really no one in the East that can guard him. No, that's how I was just about to say that. It, I was just about to say he, that. he has a matchup win every single night, except maybe tonight against Davis, which is all. But he plays well against Davis historically. I, that's and, that's my biggest. Like when you talk about the most valuable, he wins his matchup. Name a matchup Joel Embiid has not won. Like Joel Embiid yeah. has won a matchup every single night he's on the floor this season, and he's out playing his competition. And making his teammates better. Right now, his second best running mate is is averaging eleven points a game, twelve points a game. Like, I, and the last couple of games have started to look good for Ben Simmons, but that's his second best player right now. And well, you know, I mean, is it? Is it not Tobias Harris? Tobias is having a great year. Averaging what, like 21, 22 or something like that around the around the twenties. Um, Tobias has had a good year. I, I think a huge part of Embiid's development has been the clarity that Doc Rivers has brought to the Sixers offense, to the yep. Sixers team in general. Um, you know, speaking with Brian Scalabrini, uh, you know, he, he obviously was coached by Doc and said the number one thing that Doc Rivers was best at is making sure everyone explicitly knew exactly what their role is. And that's something that the Sixers lacked a lot with Brett Brown. Um, also accountability, which is something else that Doc is good on. So, um, I, I'm high on Embiid. I think I mentioned on this show, I have a 26 to one Joel Embiid MVP ticket, uh, put 25 on it. So it'd be a nice little payout for me. If he does win, I'll be rooting for it for multiple reasons, obviously. But, uh, I think it's very promising to see every night he's coming out with a mindset. I am the best player on the floor. No one can guard me. And that's stuff he would say before. Yeah. I think he truly knows how to every single night now execute that. Nah, but Jake, that the Doc Rivers point is huge because even for him to know that I'm the best player on the floor, I'm the number one player on this team. Like, I don't think that was ever explicitly said to him by his coach. Like, you're, you're right. The difference between Brett Brown and Doc Rivers is Doc Rivers will go up to not only Joel Embiid, but the entire locker room and point to Joel and say, that's our best player. Like, let's not get it twisted. That is our best player right there. And we'll, we'll, this offense will run as such. We'll treat him as such. And Joel, I need you to play as such. And I think since that's explicitly like said, that's that's explicitly outlined. You can see that his game yeah. is his absolutely taken off. There's the the confidence that he's playing with, the motor that he's playing with, the efficiency. I mean, you're seeing a a, a next level that it looks like from last season. The conditioning is playing on back to back. Say it again. It's because it's shoot. It's he's alone in the post now, and mm -hmm. it's shooters all like legitimate shooters all around him with. Curry and Green and Tobias Harris has been great this year and he's really thankful to be coached by Doc again because that's where he plays his best basketball and the team is just molded so perfectly to fit Embiid um, and I, I, I'm so happy to like watching my basketball team again Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he can keep it up just because he, I want him to take games off, I don't know if he'll have the right amount of games played but if the MVP award was given today, it should go to Joel Embiid. I mean, what's stopping him? What 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 goes what goes down? My fault to cut you off, Jake. But like, what's what's stopping him from getting there? Like, what what depends, makes it, it go down? A lot of it is dependent on whether LeBron wants the MVP or not. Because if it gets to Game Thirty Three and LeBron says, "Hey, I want the MVP," he'll probably get it. I think what's stopping him would be a Sixers regression when they're no longer the best team in the East, mm -hmm. and Joel Embiid is still the best player on a best team. But maybe the Sixers are now a four seed. And they've lost a couple games in a row. I think that's what's stopping him. I mean, don't you guys... Uh, I don't know. I think, overall, LeBron's going to lose votes to Anthony Davis. You look at Kevin Durant, he's probably going to lose some votes for the fact that 
you have both Harden and Kyrie on that team. Mm-hmm. So when you look down the list, I would say the people who he's really going to be gunning against this entire year will be Luka and Jokic specifically is Jokic. off to an incredible start. Yeah. So I've done a lot of research for my bet on exactly <laughs> what I think is going to go down. I would expect those two guys to be in it at the end. But if the Sixers keep playing solid basketball and and very poor basketball without him, I mean, it's going to be hard to make a case against if him. Durant, if Durant wins the MVP... If the Sixers finish above the Nets in the standings, Durant can't win MVP. Because if you can't finish above the Sixers in the standings with Kurt, with Harden and Kyrie as your teammates, you can't. We can't give it. So, best player uh, on the best team. That's what it is. And it, yep. it'll be a little refreshing to see a center win MVP. Like Matt, if you want to go back in your Rolodex in, in in your brain there and tell me when the last time a center won MVP, I, I don't think it's anytime soon, right? Shaq. It's Shaq. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Right. So that, that's 2001 was Iverson. He's right. He's right. 2000. Yep, so that's right. It's it's still a guard. It's funny because it's still a guard dominated league. And I think that's what's even more impressive about what Embiid is doing is because like he's the MVP front runner, but it's still a guard dominated league. It's still a perimeter league, but he's a center able to dominate in that league. Maybe it's maybe it inflates his numbers a little bit. Maybe it makes his numbers a little bit more impressive because of that. But it's it's back to old school basketball like domination like he, he, centers yeah. are back they were like it was a really bad place for centers like in 2010 2011 yeah the centers are back with Embiid, it's, Jokic, Davis is playing center you got good centers all over the place Adebayo is playing great it's the pendulum I mean the league is now too far into the shoot there, there is now a counter that presents itself to the ultra shooting lineups small ball is now these teams have built themselves to be so small and quick you can't deal with a guy like Joel Embiid you just don't have you don't have the players to do it so yeah all right well who's, he's the, who's the biggest threat to Embiid winning MVP right now right now who's his who's his biggest competition for me it's Kevin Durant for- I would say Jokic if you just based off numbers see based off numbers I gotta I gotta give it to to Kevin Durant especially the narrative part of it never never forget the narrative part of it where he could he could win MVP and comeback player of the year and, and they'll ride off into the sunset with that story. Right now I believe Kevin Durant's averaging like 31 31 points a game uh on a, like around 50% from the field, around 90% from the free throw line. You can get his exact numbers, but Kevin Durant no doubt is the leader of the Nets. Let's have a stacked squad. But Kevin Durant no doubt is the leader of the Nets. I still think the Nets go as Kevin Durant goes. Like if he if he starts having a stretch of bad games, I think you'll see the net struggle a little bit. Like I think the identity is still run through Kevin Durant. If they finish above the Sixers in the Eastern Conference standings, like I wouldn't I would not be surprised at all if Kevin Durant wins MVP. He looks like he's back in that form. I think his biggest threat is uh, Luca, personally. I mean, there's no one else on the Mavericks that they can even like give the ball to and say, give me a bucket when he puts up 10 rebounds and 10 assists a game and he's solid on defense sometimes. I mean, I think Luke is the biggest threat. Mm-hmm. I still think it's LeBron. He's averaging, it's a normal LeBron year, except he's shooting much better from three than usual. And they have the best record. If And I think the Lakers will finish with the best record. I think and, I think, a- and I think there's going to be a media thing about how LeBron should get a fifth MVP. Right. Like he's, he's the best player in basketball. And I think... He'll, he'll be the best player in basketball on the team with the best record. I think having it on cruise control hurts him a little bit. Like but the if, they, if they get the best record, he's the best player on the team with the best record. 
Like a lot of the time, like this you gotta have the best were, numbers like, too. Two, two, you gotta have the best. You can't just be the best. You gotta have the best numbers too. Yeah, like, but the numbers LeBron's numbers, LeBron, we talk about how good like Embiid is averaging twenty-seven and eleven. Like LeBron, twenty-five, seven and seven on sixty percent true shooting. Still, yeah, like, that's still like, like I, I, I walked through LeBron season, still like fantastic. Yeah, I, I think. You kind of underestimate the absence in Embiid and Luka's and and Jokic's case, which is why I put these guys ahead. I don't think is Luka's team has a good enough record? That's no, I I agree with you. I agree with you. But unlike LeBron, unlike KD, like they have to be the best player on their team every night, or their team well, is not winning. Mm-hmm, and yeah. that one hundred percent plays into some voters' minds um, when it gets down to it. And, and the narrative thing, like you said, will be big too. I'm sure the LeBron media machine will be cranking. Jokic could absolutely win it. Jokic would be my second biggest threat. Right. So. Absolutely. And the, nuts, the Nuggets bounce back. The Nuggets continued on that poor start they started on. Maybe not. But the Nuggets have bounced back. But it, yeah. let, let's switch gears because there, there's a team who hasn't hasn't been bad all season. And right now it may be the hottest team in the NBA. Uh, and that's the Utah Jazz. Um, who, who had a, a, another impressive performance the other night. 13-4, second best record in the NBA at the time of recording behind those Los Angeles Lakers led by LeBron. Winners of nine straight, fifth in offensive rating, third in defensive rating, led by, obviously, Donovan Mitchell, who Jake got a little greasy in the group chat before recording, <laughs> which putting them around top five level, Kyle had to shut it down. But, but like... They're playing really well. I, I bet there's some people who want to put D Mitch in that in that it's, MVP consideration. It's not like it was definitely a little greasy of me to try and slide Donovan <laughs> Mitchell in there, but like it's not like he he has to bump up maybe a point of rebound or uh, uh, two points of rebound and assist a game. And now if they're still the same team, now we can kind of talk about it. I mean, mm-hmm. those are uh, especially when you can when you consider just how good they are on defense. I mean, he's a part of that. He's not their defensive identity, but he's a part of that. So, uh, not top five, but we'll see at the end of the season where he ranks. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm a big fan of this Jazz team, and I think they have a they have a certain aspect that most teams in the league can't say that they have. Mm-hmm. So you look at their core players, and you look at Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovic, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and or not Bogdanovic, sorry, Joe Ingles. So those four players have only ever played for the Utah Jazz. And then you look at the other players in their core, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, Mike Conley. They've been there for two years. And Derek Favors, who took one year off to play with the Pelicans, but was with the Jazz for five or six years before that. And I think that these guys have, they just really understand how to play together. And that's why we see this success, especially regular season success. I feel like that's a that's a thing that the Raptors had going a couple years ago, how the Raptors were always, you know, the top team in the East. And I'm not sure if this translates to becoming a contender, though. I think they know how to play with each other, but they're still missing that, you know, it factor. It's so tough to say you can match up with the Lakers, but I think it's obviously, I think you can definitely put them at like number two in the West. Just, I I think they can make the Western Conference Finals because it's not like they're 13 and four. They've won nine in a row, but I think the biggest telling thing about that nine wins in a row is that eight of them are right double digits. They're blowing teams out. The one that wasn't was over the Nuggets, who are another contender for that second best team in the West. And Point Snyder is a team rolling really well. Gobert is great in the regular season, so they'll rack up wins that way. Mike mm-hmm. Conley is playing like everyone thought he would play last year. He finally got acclimated into the Jazz system, and he's playing really well. Him and Gobert are number one and two in the NBA and plus minus this year. They're, they could really like 
I think they could definitely be the second best team in the West. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a team who found a lot of this this identity and chemistry. Maybe not found it in the bubble, but perfected it in the bubble. Um, especially the leap that we saw Donovan Mitchell take. But Kyle, I, I, I'm I'm coming right at you because you talk about they still don't have that it factor. Was it not you last year talking about Donovan Mitchell as a top ten, get me a bucket guy in the league? That's not an it factor to you. He is, but I mean, the team's not deep enough. The team's not made for playoff basketball. One thing that I will give them is they are playing this well and they rank 25th in pace. And that will help you for playoff basketball that they slow it down. That's how the playoffs get. Mm-hmm. It gets tough. It gets half court offense more than you see it. But no, I, I mean, come on, James. You shut me down talking about the Nuggets last year, a team that actually did it. And you're not going to shut me down or, and you're going to uh, go against me here talking about the uh jazz not, who I, haven't done it that have the, just pretty much to, the same makeup I, I just i just i just wanted i wanted you to to uh to explain your take then because I, to, I me, to me to me saying a guy's a top 10 get me a bucket guy is an it factor like you're yeah. like 10 get me a bucket guys 10 guys where i can pass on ball and say get me one that's that's that sounds like it yeah, but to me. but so is steph curry i mean there's a bunch of guys up there that you wouldn't just say like i understand the teams are different but it doesn't make you a title contender but I, if anything i think i'm just right about donovan mitchell like they're 13 and 4 and i think i was right a couple months ago so but you're but you're also saying this doesn't translate to them being a contender so are, are, I don't think it does. are the jazz contenders because let's think about like the locks in the western conference no, obviously they, they, we're about the nuggets they were a buzzer beater in game seven away from beating the mm-hmm. Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. I know they lost the first round and they blew a 3-1 lead, but they they had an open look for three to go to the second round and it just didn't go in. Like, they, they could have been the team that embarrassed the Clippers in the second round. Like, I think, I think they're right there with Denver, just like they were last year. They could have been, but James still didn't say the Nuggets were contenders. That was my point there. He was he was still saying they're not beating the Lakers. What do you mean they can't contend with the Lakers? And I don't think that this team can either. Uh, oh, okay. I thought you were about to try to prove my my take wrong that the Nuggets couldn't contend with the Lakers. No, no, no. But I, I see I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. Where where the Jazz are. So are they? They're not contender territory, is what I'm hearing. They're off to well, a it's start, the, the hottest team in the league, but they're not. They could push the Lakers to six. Is my take. Is that like the barometer on which we They can get a little risky. How- they could maybe go up 2-1 and people overreact, but the Lakers will win. Is that the barometer for how we for how we judge a contender now? Is how how well do they do against the Lakers? It kind of, like they're in the Western Conference. Yes. yes, in the Western Conference it is. I mean, I think you still have two contenders, the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really it. I mean, you think about the locks in the Western Conference. You think about, obviously, the two LA teams. You think about Denver now. Um, I'd probably put Portland in there and Phoenix in there. And then after that, I mean, Houston, maybe, like maybe is a lot. Yeah, but, not really. But not really. But I, I'm putting the Jazz, I'm probably putting the Jazz above the Suns right now. Um, but I mean, they're they're right in that, they're right in that Portland territory, in, in, in my opinion. And, and you're right. Like, they maybe push the Lakers to six. Like, that's, that's, that's where, think, that's where it ends for them. I think regular season basketball to me. It, it does not make you a contender. We've seen the number one team in the East, the Bucks, haven't gotten there the past couple years. And we've seen it countless years after years. Didn't the Hawks finish number one in the East like five years ago? Didn't the Raptors yeah, do it every other year? League. I mean, yeah, I need the, to see the, it in the, 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 the thing, where, other than the Bucks example, ever, the Hawks ran into LeBron. The Raptors ran into LeBron. Like, this team's going to have to, uh, it's like LeBron is the only reason they're not contenders because he's fucking LeBron. Like, it's not like a besmirchment of the Jazz. It's not their fault that LeBron is still on their conference. If you just, if you take 
an objective look at this Jazz team, there's no reason they can't compete with any other non-LeBron team in the West to make it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it. That might be true. Most three-pointers in the league, second and three-point percentage, have the top two players in the NBA and plus-minus. That's Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Before we move off the Jazz, uh, I just have to ask one thing. I know y'all saw that clip that, that Shaq kind of was right at. Donovan Mitchell's head in that post-game interview saying straight to his mitt, straight straight to his mug. Maybe this should have been a speaking facts, but we're, we're just going to we're just gonna address it right here and right now. Well, he just said, I just don't think you have what it takes to get to that next level. I don't think you're that guy. What do you have to say about that? Like, a, a lot of people have, have their opinions on whether Shaq was right or wrong for that. I'm interested to hear yours. Like, was Shaq just straight up, was Shaq like an asshole for saying that on Nash, live national TV after a win, after a comeback win? He says that to Donovan Mitchell. Undoubtedly. He is undoubtedly an ass. Like, regardless of if it's right or not, like, that is an asshole thing to yeah, say. Like, like, but, I mean, it fits his persona. But, uh, like, to his point, we haven't seen Donovan Mitchell. I mean, the, la- the, the last thing we saw from Donovan Mitchell was him kind of taking over that series. And that is the first step. They weren't able to beat, um, in my opinion, a better Denver team last year. But... Just a dick move on national TV. On national, to, and to me, there's a difference between like criticism and just hate and trying to get a rise out of someone, trying to get a reaction out of someone. He wants someone. to get a clip. Yeah, he wants on, to get a clip on national out of TV. I never thought Turner Sports and, and TNT were going to be clip chasing like that. Like that, that's kind of weird. And this is kind of Shaq's thing now, where he's like Donovan Mitchell is not the first person he's done that to. I think it's the first person he said it to directly. But he's not the first person to be like, nah, that guy's kind of ass. Like, I'll, I'll these guys think Donovan Mitchell responded perfectly, though. Perfectly. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, handle, and, handle it like a G, but like, I, and what, I don't get the, I don't, I don't get what the purpose of that was. Like, what was, what was, what was well, your intent there, Shaq? What Shaq said, too, is like, he was said, this performance is how I wanted you to play. I wanted to be wrong about this. I, I think, was it weird to see it on TV? Sure, but I don't think it was wrong. I mean, I, I think clearly Shaq is a Donovan Mitchell fan and he wants to see Donovan Mitchell succeed. And he got the reaction out of it. And Donovan Mitchell handed it great. They got their clip, whatever. But if you're a player and you have a, you know, all-time great one to see you succeed and doubting you in a way and you prove them wrong, I mean, I think you feel good about that as Donovan Mitchell. Maybe it boosts his confidence. I just want to say it all. I was fine with it. We have have too much hate in the sports world. Like, why do we have to all, like, oh, you proved me wrong. I thought you, like, can we just lift up good players? Like, most teams aren't going to win the chip. We can just celebrate good basketball and good basketball players like Lillard's never going to win a chip and no one's gonna, unless he goes to a good team but no one's because oh he's not a big game player no we saw him be a big game player like just because someone isn't good enough to the NBA titles are so difficult to win especially if you're not a top five player and remember only five fucking players can yeah be our top, top five, five players. players some of them are on the same team yeah. it's, it's like it's not it's not we can't hold everyone to this rings or nothing status because sports is more about, it's about the fun of the game. It's about this, it's like these moments are more than just whether you win the title or not. It's about watching great players play great basketball. Yeah. And and the and I'll say one thing before we move on. The, the excuse for the older generation, for the OGs, the old heads is like, well, this is old school level of, of motivation. You know, this, this is, <laughs> this is how we did it back in the day. I like, we, I, I like that. I like that. You deserve over that how you did it back in the day. Get over how you did it back in the day. This is a new I day, like man. It, like you don't get I on like national it. TV talking about. I just don't think you're that guy. Personally, I think you kind of ass. Like I, 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 this is that's 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 not like how like how today works, man. Like if you want to say that to D Mitch, you say that to him in private. 
Shaq does. Shaq is one of the most famous people. I in disagree America. about the back of the day stuff because if Re say Reggie Miller's career happens today, people will be like, "Hey, no, he never gets the big one done. He loses in almost every single Eastern Conference Finals. He's a choker." When like, no, he's a fucking great big time player. But social media has made everyone hate everything. But that and is how people viewed Reggie Miller to an extent. No, nah, he was like, that dude can play. He made a but three every time it mattered. Every time it mattered, yeah, but every time it mattered. But every time it mattered. Jordan to seven games and people yeah. respected that. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I, well, I like that. I don't know. That's how I like to be like coached. It, bro. I, yeah, right, I like right, getting bro. doubted. Right, I like getting doubted. And I feel like professional athletes like getting doubted too. They play better with the chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Kyle, personally, I think you like an ass podcast. I just don't think you have what it takes. <laughs> like, so you have to prove me wrong then. All right. What's that, Cam Noon? All right, bet. <laughs> word, word. All right. Take us to this past week of sports then. All right. Uh, well, a lot of MLB. I'm not going to lie. It's been a while since we talked MLB on this show. And we got to start with a little sad one. So. The MLB lost one of the greatest to ever do it this past weekend when Hank Aaron passed away at the age of 86. Of course, he's a 25-time All-Star, NL MVP. You can go through all the accolades. You name it, he did it. But his impact is measured more than stats and accomplishments. I mean, this is a man who came from poverty, dealt with racism and death threats throughout his entire career. And he's a symbol for just so much more than what he did on the field. His legacy is going to continue to impact many more generations. And I just think... We lost a true legend, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, it, it's it's tough to put it into words, but what he stood for, especially even in my life, who lived way past, you know, way past when he had an MLB career, he was just a true legend, so I just want to say rest in peace to Hank Aaron. Yeah, rest in peace for Absolutely. sure. Being a like, model of consistency, both morally and talent-wise. Really, really. Mm -hmm. Being, in, being a, a, a black man and someone who played baseball for my entire life, like there's a lot of influence that Hank Aaron has, obviously, you know, on me. There is there is no me without guys like Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson and, and players like that who were able to break a barrier and do it with the utmost class. Because at that time, a margin of error for a black man playing baseball was very, very slim. If, if he acts up in a way or is out of bounds by any means, that could be his career. So not only, you know, was he able to, to take all of that in stride, he used it as motivation. He said himself, he saved every death threat, every hate letter that he ever got, he saved it in a box in his attic and just looked at it from time to time and used it as motivation and then ended up at one time hitting the most home runs in MLB history. Um, yeah. So it, it just is just an amazing person. You're right, man. There's not too many like icon icons that we lost. And uh, this past week, we've had to, to celebrate the, the, the morning or mourn the passing of two of them. And Hank Aaron's definitely one of them. Like, huge 25 time all-star also is ridiculous it's, that's nuts, ain't it? like what <laughs> it's ridiculous all right well more baseball so for the first time since 1960 there will be a completely empty mlb hall of fame class this year well in 1960 there was no ceremony because there was no one to celebrate this year we will be celebrating the 2020 class but that wasn't the year that wasn't the reason that this class is empty it's simply because not enough people receive votes so i just think this is crazy like how do you, how do you not have a Hall of Fame class? I mean, I've, I'm not I'm not gonna cry over Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, so I, you, well, I I don't want to get into the Kurt Schilling shit. So, <laughs> yeah. No, no, but the Barry Bonds, you gotta fucking put him in the Hall of Fame. It's fucking stupid. That's the thing. Put him in it. with it. So talk about his steroids. Put it on his plot. It doesn't matter. He was fucking nuts. He's so fucking good at his job. And I know he was a dick to the media. And I know he did steroids. But he was a Hall of Famer before he did steroids, too. Like, just put him in the fucking Hall of Fame. Stop being fucking petty about it. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds all could have been put in this year. And they elected to put an empty ballot before they put three, I mean, pro 
probably Hall of Famers, right? Like with or without steroids, they're they're three of the best at their position. So it's me, it's clear that the MLB is taking a stand of like they had an opportunity to put guys in the Hall of Fame when they weren't gonna put anybody else in. You could have put the steroid users in this year. They wouldn't have gone in over anyone that you thought deserved it. Well, I don't, I don't think, to be fair to Schilling, he's not a steroid user. He's a different Bro, case. He's uh, a different case. But like Sammy Sosa only gets 17%. Like Mike Piazza's in the Hall of Fame. Everyone needs to know he juiced. Jeff Bagwell said he did legal juice and he's in the Hall of Fame. Sammy Sosa hit 600 fucking home runs. That matters. And Ortiz is going to oh. get in because everyone just likes Ortiz, and no one cares if he failed to You look, I mean, look at what they did to Pete Rose. This is this is this is status quo for MLB, the man. MLB, and you could make an argument that this is why they're making or that that they are losing fans um, or struggling to grow their brand is because uh, you don't celebrate a part of a, a massive part um, of baseball popularity on purpose when the steroid era hit. They knew after the strike that business. they needed good ratings and they needed a zillion home runs. So they purposely looked the other way. And now you're going to punish the players who brought your sport back? Come on. Yeah, I, I, I think Bond should get in. And I just think it's crazy how you always think, like, oh, these guys are getting in eventually. And then you have an empty Hall of Fame class. They still don't um, get in. It makes me know. think they're not going to get in. That's my yeah, point. It makes me think like they're not going to get in. But to continue on the MLB news, because I guess that's what this past week was reserved for, the Phillies finally re-signed JT Real Muto to a five-year, $115 million deal, which has Phillies fans, I think, more relieved than even excited. But I'm excited. I mean, this is certainly fills a gap in our roster that we needed to bring in, but there are still gaps, specifically the bullpen. But I think the Phillies do get a lot closer to contending. I don't think they're there yet, but a lot closer than they would have been without Real Muto. If they have a bad bullpen this year instead of a <laughs> catastrophically bad bullpen they'll make the playoffs it's really they just need to be regular 20th out of 30 bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll make the playoffs that's an improvement <laughs> yeah you gotta love the spin cycle that was put on before the signing though like oh we're we're gonna lose money this year we can't it, that if we don't sign jt we're giving you a reason of why oh, we're gonna lose money which was proven to be a lie um <laughs> uh, to be honest, like this, is, it is a relieving signing as, as a Philly, as someone who roots for the Phillies. I'm relieved that they brought back JT. It uh, prevents them from wasting more of Bryce's years. But I just don't know. It's it, like you said, Matt. It's going to hinge on the bullpen. So I'm glad they brought him back. But I, it's still yet to be seen whether, as a Phillies fan, I can be excited for this next year. You know why it's relieving is because it's maddening that year after year we scream that there's. One, there's one big glaring hole in this team and it never gets filled. So if you didn't fill another glaring hole in this team, do one of the only two things you're supposed to do as an organization, it would have been like, we would have had to, to tear Citizens Bank Park down by, by a stone. Um, so the fact that we didn't have to do that, the fact that they like actually did something they're supposed to do, re-sign JT is like, man, at least, at least we don't got to get y'all for that. Like, at least y'all behaved in that. It's really not fun applauding the team for effectively wiping its ass when everyone else knows to wipe its ass. I was actually surprised just how much we got him for. I thought he'd be worth a little more than five years, 115. So I was... Apparently it was less of the Braves. Apparently the Braves had a lower offer, like either lesser deals or, or lesser money or lesser years or something like that. Apparently we came in above anybody else which is surprising it's so hard for me to judge like baseball contrasts especially with no salary cap yeah. it's it's like it varies every year especially with covid and stuff all right well that is all for this past week in baseball let's uh let's move into the countdown let's start with number five
The amount of consecutive 15 rebound games Clint Capella has had. He's the first Hawk to bring down 15 rebounds in five straight games since the Kembe Mutombo in 2001. Look, the Hawks have been a little bit, I'll say, anticlimactic, a little bit underwhelming uh, to start. They had such an, an improvement from their team and their roster last year. Um, but one of the biggest signings they had in the middle of last year, or biggest trades, I guess I should say, is getting Clint, Clint Capella. Um, and look, the big man is doing what he was doing in Houston, too. That's the name of his game, rebounding and defense. That's, that's what you get from Clint. Yeah, he's, I mean, it was weird coming off the injury. They weren't even playing him. I was like, let's play him 20 minutes a night and then sit him the next night. But now that he's fully back, the Hawks, uh, I expect them to make the playoffs, which is weird for me to say, but I do. It's going to be good. interesting to see uh, what they do between him. They, they have one guy's got to go between Collins, uh, Okongwu, who they just drafted, mm -hmm. and Capella. Capella playing like this, it's not going to be him. So interesting yeah. to watch. I think they have the same thing in the backcourt, too, with Reddish, Hunter, Herter, Bogdanovich. Yeah. I mean, All I think they got position. They just got one too many players everywhere, but they don't have any studs yeah. besides Trey Young, I guess. Right. But all right, let's go to number four. The number of wins Tom Brady has when wearing white in the Super Bowl. He's four and one. Guess what, James? He'll be wearing white we'll on Super white. Bowl Sunday. Sure. We'll be away, and I just I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna save it all. It's, it's, it's in the cards, man. It's too much for words. It's crazy. All right, number three. The number of quarterbacks who are now one and four in conference championship games. That's Ken Stabler, Donovan McNabb, shout out to y'all, and now Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people think Aaron Rodgers' legacy took a hit, like a big hit with that loss in the conference championship game. Y'all are shaking your heads no, but like there's a reason why for this whole week, sports media is dominated with Aaron Rodgers first, Aaron Rodgers first, and not the fact that we've won and are freaking going to the Super Bowl. Y'all just talking about Aaron Rodgers first, but a lot of people think his legacy took a hit. It's... It's also Aaron the Rodgers timing. Aaron Rodgers played a B-plus game. You don't shit on someone playing a B-plus game. Nah. Uh, I think it's like opportunity costs. Like yeah, for Aaron Rodgers, who he, who he thinks he is, you got to win that game. And uh, maybe you're not top five quarterback all the time. Maybe you're top ten. So. Oh, 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 let Brady go one and four in conference championship. Let Brady go one and four in conference championship games, Matt. He, you, he, he does have four losses. for you. Yeah, that's where I pulled this stat. He's nine and four. It was the amount of people with four losses. So <laughs> that's funny. Or he's ten and four now, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's go to number two. NBA rookies to score thirty points in a game this season. That being Tyrese Maxey, who had thirty nine earlier in the month, and his former college teammate Emmanuel Quickly, who just scored thirty one on the Trailblazers. Uh, James, since you, I, I guess, are our objective mind in this. If you had to pick between Maxi and Quickly based off what you've seen, who do you go with? Tyrese Maxi. He's shown me he's shown me of it more than Emmanuel Quickly, but Emmanuel Quickly as of late is showing me what, you know, you know, exactly what Tyrese Maxi's giving it to. But Tyrese Maxi was able to show it to me a little bit more. But look, the Knicks are playing good basketball, man. Is what fourth and Eastern conference right now? Like don't don't blink, but the, the Knicks got a lot of players who are playing really well. Emmanuel Quigley being Emmanuel Quigley being one of them. Tyrese Maxey has quickly become one of my favorite players in the league. And I think it's just because my dad loves him. And like every night Maxey comes on the floor, he just screams, Maxey's on the floor. <laughs> but he's so fun to watch. And he he's so good. And I think uh, he was on my big board and we got him at 21. So I think it was a big steal. Yes, sir. Let's go to number one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the first team in NFL history to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. We talked, I talked about this on my, on my other show, Trust the Process Live. And like, by April, like right when we signed Brady, that that there's not too many things where Tom can look on his shelf and say, like, I haven't done that before. And this was one thing. This is just something 
like extra to put on his shoulder, an extra chip to put on his shoulder, you know, to, to accomplish. And like, I, I, it, it's crazy that we're going to be, I'm, I'm wondering what the crowd is going to be like, because it's still the Super Bowl, So still both teams fans are going to be pouring in. But the fact that you look around the stadium and it's going to be dressed in red and the pirate ship is going to be in the back of the end zone. Like that's just going to be great for the mental. Like we're home, baby. It would, it's a shame that there is no fans. That's a bad beat because I have to say like, if it's home, that kind of enables a lot of people who may not have gone to go if you're like if you're a Buccaneers like fan. Workers, so like yeah, fans. 22,500 fans, 7,500 that place that place would be rocking if it was a packed house. Uh, I have to think it would be majority Buccaneers fans if there was non-COVID. But are they gonna have to like not fire the cannons, or are they gonna fire the cannons for both teams? Fuck that. They're not firing no cannons for nobody else but us. But I would still, yeah, like I would. Now, it's got to be for both teams or no, none. No, no, get out of here. Because you have to, like, I think there can be a little reward for us getting to the Super Bowl and it being on our home turf. Like, No, you can't advantage a team for playing in a warm weather climate slash dome. What do you mean advantage? You're not advantaging, you're advantaging us for, for getting to the Super Bowl. Like, we, we got yeah, here and it's in our home Patriots turf. Patriots will never have a home Super Bowl because they play in fucking New England outside. That's their fault. Build a dome. Like, I don't know. I'm not talking about the Patriots right now. I'm talking about me. Like, if you want to host a Super Bowl and you're in a cold weather place, build a dome. You know, you know the deal. You know the drill. I think you should fire the cannons for sure. But we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer. Who want to go first? Who got something to say at the buzzer? I'm going to, I'm going to, I have two things. One's really quick. Okay. I almost, the dumbest thing I'm going to say on this podcast is when we were talking about Hank Aaron, I realized that we don't have enough people named Hank in society. So that's just my number one. Okay. I know one. I know one. We have not Hank enough people named Hank anymore. Um, oh, I know two. And number two is <laughs> let me get on my Brady hating because. Whatever, go ahead, go ahead. Yo, um, this dude is unbelievable. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, his longevity is by far his best argument for being go. He's doing this at 43 when no one else does this past 40. It's fucking nuts that he's this good for this long. But he's so fucking lucky. It's unbelievable <laughs> how fucking lucky this guy is. He no, is 11 and 5 in 12 games where he's a pass oh, rating geez. below 80. That's not, uh, you play a 16 game season against playoff teams and you don't have, and, and every game you don't have a pass rating below, above 80, and you go 11 and 5, that's fucking bullshit luck. In conference championship games, so he's 10, mad. He's he's 10 so and mad. 4 with an 83 passer rating, 18 touchdowns, 14 picks. He's 10 and 4 against the second best team in each conference. It's fucking stupid. Like, he's, if you want to say he's the GOAT, fine. Like, he's probably the GOAT, but he's not the boat the best of all time but it's the difference the reason why he has so many more fucking super bowl appearances than other players that are just as good or better than tom brady is because of luck if with normal luck brady wins three four super bowls now he's like on the cups of winning seven it's fucking stupid he's so mad he's so upset about it like he's so look how hard you have to try matt look how hard you gotta try like you gotta try this hard to make a case against something. You might. Because honestly, I love hating Tom Brady. It's so fun <laughs> you, to hate. You get a little like twisted joy out of it. It's weird. Look, if he wins and gets a seventh, you can talk all this shit to me, and it'll just sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Because he'll be the goat. You don't give a shit. You won the Super Bowl. Huh? You shouldn't care what I say about Brady if you win the Super Bowl. You win the fucking Super Bowl. Exactly, exactly. Thank, thank you for at least knowing that. And I don't care. Kyle, you got something to say at the buzzer? Yeah, I just want to say we have a, a 
enormous record of Matt F bombs today. I like someone can count him <laughs> up. I don't. I don't think this record will He's ever been be off the broken. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, I just want to say some. Uh, I don't know. I know some of you guys have been following up with this uh, Wall Street bet slash GameStop slash Melvin situation, and um, so basically. A bunch, a huge company was shorting a stock and it was regular people came together and said, no, F that. We're going to go against it, make them hedge their own bets. And besides all the stock, blah, 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 you could look into yourself. I think the main takeaway of this should be at least um, how influential regular people can be when they organize against these existing power structures. Right. I mean, we're literally seeing regular people. And it's crazy because you see these huge gangster tactics that these firms use either way and but when the people do it it's a problem mm. i know wall street bets got taken down apparently it's back up now but regardless i think this should be a big lesson and this is actually i don't know what's going to come in the few next few days but it could be a major landmark just in the power of the people and i, I think i know it's a big thing on twitter right now but it could be even bigger than we all realize it is right now so it, I, I think it's really cool i, I, I just want to say my advice is just be careful with your money. That's all I got to say. Don't get stupid with it. For sure. Jake, we got to say the buzzer. Uh, what I have to say is it's almost the end of the first quarter in the Sixers-Lakers game. Joel Embiid is 13 points. That MVP ticket is cashing. It's cashing. It's <laughs> coming. Are we, are we Wait, winning, what's though? What's the score? What's the score? 34 to 18. Sixers? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes, well, y'all don't lose at home. Y'all don't lose at home. Still, with or without fans. Still, still probably the best home team in the NBA. I'll make mine quick so we can go watch the Sixers game. Why do people think that they can continue to try Tyreek Hill? Like, do, like, why do you? Why do people continue to say that you can beat Tyreek Hill in a race? Do you watch this man? Are you watching the same Tyreek Hill that I'm watching on Sundays? Just effortlessly <laughs> run by people. And this comes because sometimes you you win a game, you get a, you get a little overzealous, you get a, you get a little confident, and you stick your chest out against in the direction of someone you shouldn't have. And Scotty Miller did that where he said, you know, Tyreek Hill is unbelievable. He's fast. But he said in a head-to-head foot race, I'm taking myself over anybody that includes him. And Scotty, you had a big play on Sunday, probably the biggest in the game. You're not faster than Tyreek Hill. So we we can stop. You're you're at the you're the the last person in a long line of people who just needs to stop trying Tyreek Hill. Stop it. We're about to play him. Don't make him prove it. Right. Look at what he did last time. 200 yards in the first quarter. Don't make him do it again. Stop. Calm down. Because you might be fast. You might be lightning, you know, Incredibles flash fast. And you probably not beating Tyree Kill in a race. Like, it's just, let's just stop. Let's just put it to bed, please. <laughs> I was really tired of it. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. So it was a good one. Big ups. To all my guys, for Stat Matt Robinson, Carl Sirik, and Jake Galley, I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.